0: Welcome to the Weekly Beat by Mansa with your hosts, Arnold Segawa, Maggie Mutesi and Dumi Jere, giving you all the info on Africa's big finance and economic stories. The Weekly Beat by Mansa. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this week's episode of The Weekly Beat. My name is Dumi Jere, and I'm coming to you from Johannesburg in South Africa. With me is my sister, Maggie Mutesi, coming to us from Nairobi in Kenya. Maggie, how are you?
1: I'm doing fine, Dumi. Uh, How is Johannesburg?
0: Nah, Johannesburg is all right. It's a bit cold, but uh, hey, it's winter, so it's expected.
1: How far with uh, Johnson & Johnson? Um, I'm
0: not sure which one exactly, but um, I know that um, there's some vaccines that are coming up. And they mm. announced that uh, from the first of July, the age group fifty mm. and above will be eligible for mm-hmm. uh, registering to get a vaccine. So, I suppose there's a bit of progress, uh, albeit slow. So there's that. Mm. And in Kenya, what's happening?
1: Um, we have another second batch of uh, vaccines. Unfortunately, it's for those who got the first one. Mm. So if okay. you didn't get the first one, you won't get anything. So it's, I don't know how it's really working out. It just feels like it's not for some of us. Um, even when they bring more vaccines, they have to complete doses. And um, it's still the same people who are not vaccinated, etc. So, yeah, but uh, there is hope. I saw at a panel the other day, Strive Masiwa trying to emphasize the need to, get more vaccines to developing nations. And um, he made a very valid point about having governments getting this vaccine um, rollout, getting the private sector involved in this vaccine rollout. And um, it could help in a way if there were billionaires that they said, hey, you're to help us manufacture this. Maybe it could make it easier. So, yeah, I I, I Hmm. liked that part of it where he actually thinks and he believes this should not be just the government, it should be about the private sector. Hoping government turn it yeah. around maybe set up factories and not just be live and a few people and other countries to be able to get everybody vaccinated. So it was a very nice point that he mm. made there.
0: True, true, true. Yeah, I think the whole point really is wherever vaccines can be found I think they must just be shared mm. with everyone. So whether it is in um, Johnson & Johnson or the Pfizer in the Americas or whatever even the Russian mm. Sputnik or the Chinese Sinovac and Sinopharm I think people must just Uh, get access to it. And speaking of China, story that's been uh, Mm -hmm. doing the rounds probably the whole of this month. And that's the story of um, Jack Ma. For those that don't know, Jack Ma was really rich and he was famous and we all knew about him. And if we didn't know about him, we knew about Alibaba, the company he co-founded. In fact, he was the richest man in China. And um, according to some, polls, the most famous living Chinese person. But um, what has happened over the mm. past couple of years is that, firstly, he has seen his uh, net worth almost slashed in half. He has lost control of his businesses, and so much more has happening. And it seems like it has been a strategic move by the Chinese government. And this got me thinking uh, about what really happened to Jack Ma.
1: That's a good question. Um, I mean, I've been trying to follow this story in every possible way. And um, his net worth has been slashed by 70 billion. I'm not sure, but it's uh, it's now half. When you step back, and it's interesting because I watched a video the other day about Jack Ma, you know, um, being a little bit critical about uh, the Chinese government. Not very critical, but indirectly critical of the government policies and all of that. But... It's easier for you to be like to do that probably when you have not much to lose or when you're living in a place like the United States of America. Uh, so, what has happened, we cannot speculate. That's why we can only talk about it for me, I feel like, but it's not far different from a lot of governments that we probably even know closer that would go for you and everything you have. There are some places in Africa. Where it sure. doesn't matter how rich you are, the power doesn't lie in your hands. They could easily crush you. Now, I think with Jack Ma, the story is not yet so clear, but the government has tried to enforce different rules, uh, laws, and regulations. Like I said, I don't want to speculate. <laughs> True.
0: There's this is saying that never outshine the master, and it means essentially don't look better than your boss. Isn't
1: that even a Chinese saying?
0: I- think so, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and I mean, it sounds simple. It actually gets more interesting um, the better mm-hmm. you understand it. So essentially, it just means you need to be humble and all of that. Those are sometimes difficult things to do when you have that kind of much money. Mm-hmm. But um, when mm-hmm. I look at, for example, I mean, earlier on, I even mentioned um, the Russian vaccine. When I look at yes. Russia and how it treats it's oligarchs. Yes. You can't have too big a voice or else you know what's going, the Kremlin is going to come for you. That's how mm-hmm. you end up with lots of billionaires now living in London and making mm-hmm. noise from there because they know that from their own base, they're not able to do that. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the point about um, bringing it close to Africa. I was reading mm-hmm. an article that said that there probably are more billionaires in Africa than we actually know. How many companies do you think make a billion dollars or more in revenue in Africa? Any number? Rough guess.
1: Not many. I don't think there are even 10.
0: Yeah. I was also equally surprised that there are over 450. Absolutely. That earn revenues of 1 billion or more billion on dollars. this continent.
1: Then that means we right. have over 400 billionaires. Probably. No, it makes sense, but they Um, can't declare because they could go after them.
0: Yeah, and this is a research that was done by uh, Achaleke from McKinsey.
1: Oh my God, this is quite interesting.
0: Yeah. So, when you look at such things now, you actually can believe that, you know what, there are actually lots more billionaires on this African continent, but some just choose to uh, sort of stay in the background or be quiet and not be so critical of the government. Uh, Mm. And Sometimes I think that's a good lesson. I always tell the story of um, this well-known, well, well, I'm not sure about well-known, but Mm -hmm. this American gangster who was uh, famous for racketeering and um, fixing games back in the early 1900s. Uh, His name was Albert Rothstein. And he had this famous quote that there's an advantage in being a nobody because no one targets a nobody. And I guess that's the lesson I pick up from from that is that uh, sometimes no matter how much money you have, even if you become a billionaire, uh, sometimes it's okay mm-hmm. to just be in the background. Like the other 450 billionaires or uh, also people that we, we, we have never heard about, but people are busy running mm-hmm. these um, successful conglomerates out there.
1: Do we, you know what's interesting? You need to share that paper. 400 billion
0: dollars, like. In revenues, it's not just to say like um, all of them are making one billion. So some are making much more. I mean, you look at, for example, say the Dangote Group; it will yes. be in that list, but they are making far much yes. more than a billion US dollars. So they are making much, much, much more. But as just as a base, whoever is in that mm. billionaire dollar club, there's about four hundred and fifty mm. companies doing that in Africa, and, and I found that quite interesting.
1: It brings us back to what this podcast is entirely about, which is investment. Mm-hmm. Because if uh, Jack was empire is half what it was nine months ago, you can imagine yeah. um, the shareholders, you can imagine um, people who had put money into his companies. Now, when mm-hmm. governments go after you like this, there is that investor confidence that is left hanging for a lot of people to say, "This is this an economy? Mm-hmm worth investing into. Mm. In China's case, I don't know how it's going to play, but I know for Mm. Africa's case, a lot of times, even people ask, I I don't know how to put it, but is it safe to bet, you know, and put my money, Mm. a couple of millions of dollars in this company? What if um, the reeds are cracked down and everything is lost, which you've seen in Africa, not Mm. closer to home. I feel like, in a way, it limits investments into some places. But I feel like one of the reasons as to why probably America is what it is is because of that openness, that open market of, you know, just mm-hmm. coming, bringing your money, bringing whatever you have, and it doesn't matter as long as you pay taxes and do this. Probably they also have a way they do it, but it's not as as open, direct, and visible like we've seen in these other countries. So for me, that that, that is actually my biggest fear, that the people who probably put money into companies, what kind of message is being sent out in terms of, you know, this is a billion-dollar company, this has been the richest man, this company has expanded. He should be like the, the son of the soil who has put China on the mm, map in, mm, terms, mm. Of and in yep, terms of billionaires yep. in terms of technology and all of that. That if we can go after him... You know, regardless of the amount of money probably we get from you or, or the platform is given to a country, then it puzzles me a little bit. So my biggest uh, skepticism for me is in what kind of message this sends out to investors. And, you know, even when we come to Africa, like you've mentioned, if we don't even know about these 400 companies that are making billion dollars in revenues every year, there is a missing gap because maybe we could even have more investments into the continent, but people do not know because there's no transparency mm. because of the fear of the unknown of the, like you've said, the uncertain of what would happen if I declare my wealth. And this is how is we it find not? even a lot of people are so informal. They have companies, they have a lot of money, but there's absolutely no structure uh, maybe because mm. of fear, but I don't think economies grow with this. For me, I am utterly shocked.
0: I mean, at the end of the day, is it not maybe a case of business and politics should not necessarily mix?
1: I think politics is business, and business is politics. Like
0: somehow, I feel like they need to coexist. So it's difficult to separate the two.
1: Very, very difficult to separate the two, and. You know, it brings me to a conversation that I've I've always kept saying that. For me, I feel like um, the biggest economies have thrived where the private sector has worked closely with the public sector. I mean, these two need to coexist. Because you have to set rules, you have regulations, Mm -hmm. you have to put policies that, you know, can regulate these businesses. Mm Because, you know, business is also should. Yes. But how do you coexist?
0: So I think a good example would be Aliko Dangote who has been working hand-in-hand hand with his government for a long time. He was very visible in the government of um, His Excellency good luck Jonathan. And even when um, President Jonathan left and President Buhari came in, still he was um, very visible working with the current government. So um, to your point, yes, there's a greater need for public and uh, private sector uh, cooperation. And that has been a good example of um uh, working together maybe the other uh investors need not worry too much uh, about whether the money is safe but rather work with the governments you could actually get more power from doing that uh, because you're able to lobby you're able to push for more policies that are in favor of whatever it is that you're doing and so with that this is the end uh, of our discussion today. And uh, thank you so much, folks, for listening to this episode. Really, really, really appreciate. As always, a special thank you to my co-host, Maggie, uh, the team behind the scenes, and of course, you loyal listeners. Remember to visit our website, mansamedia.africa, for more news about the continent, as well as follow our social media pages, Mansa Media Africa on Facebook and Mansa underscore media on Twitter. Please remember to follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Amazon Music so that you're notified when a new episode goes live. I am Dumi Jerry. Until the next time, here's to peace and profits. The Weekly Beat by Mansa. With your hosts, Arnold Segawa, Maggie Mutesi, and Dumi Jerry. Giving you all the info on Africa's big finance and economic stories. The Weekly Beat by Mansa.